start an investigation into the Bidens. Because what happened in China is just about as bad as what happened with, uh, with Ukraine. It's the second week of an impeachment inquiry, and Trump has asked a second foreign country to investigate the Bidens. I'm Essie Cup, and you're listening to Weekend Warriors, the foreign affairs podcast that asks, what else is happening in the world? Well, what else is happening in the world right now is, um, I don't know how to put this, leaders are waiting to see if Trump is going to hit them up as he goes through his global Rolodex, hoping to find government leaders who will investigate his potential 2020 opponent, Joe Biden. Nothing to see here, folks. All normal. He's attempting to build his very own coalition of the willing, you might say. Okay, so lots of questions. What does it mean for U.S. foreign policy when the president uses the full weight of the office to try to enlist world leaders to help him undertake, well, a personal vendetta designed to get him reelected? What does it mean for the U.S. national security apparatus when the State Department allegedly teams up with the president's non-government-affiliated personal fixer to carry out this task? Or when U.S. diplomats are put in the position of having to coerce their counterparts to meddle in our elections? What happens? Well, nothing good. As it turns out, in a week of truly stunning news... Well, let's take a look at all of it as we do here every week through a global lens. Joining me now to discuss all of it is CNN national security analyst Sam Vinograd. Uh, Sam, this all started with a phone call. So let's start there. We know the president's personal lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, had been working the back channels in Ukraine before the July 25 phone call with President Zelensky in which Trump asks him to investigate the Bidens. So... Do you imagine Zelensky knew what would be asked in in that phone call before it happened? I think probably yes. Giuliani has not been shy about what he's looking for from the Ukrainians. He's pretty much broadcast to anyone that will listen, put him on television or reads his Twitter feed, that his primary focus is digging up dirt on Joe Biden and figuring out how to investigate Ukrainians that helped with the establishment of what became the special counsel investigation. That has not been classified. With respect to what Zelensky thought President Trump would ask him on the call, I think he probably had an idea. President Trump has also been pretty vocal about what he's looking for from foreign countries. And it's not stuff that's in the best interest of the U.S. national security apparatus. They are breaking the law in plain sight. Giuliani has been doing it for a long time. Trump seems to do it increasingly. And so it's not an, anymore something that's discussed in private phone calls. The president's now doing it quite openly. So Zelensky probably knew what he was getting into, not only because uh, Ambassador Sondland, our ambassador to the EU, no idea, by the way, why he's working with the Ukrainians. He should be in Brussels working with EU delegates. Ambassador Sondland and Ambassador Volker Probably, uh, according to the text messages, at least, grease the skids, so to speak, with, mm. Zelensky, with Zelensky. So they were doing prep for this call, but for all the wrong reasons. And maybe we'll find out when um, the former ambassador to Ukraine is testifies if she had been somehow involved in those conversations, as you say, greasing the skids, um, to to the effect that Zelensky would have known what was coming. The 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 the. Concern is that um, Giuliani had sort of told the president that she was making trouble. 
Um, so Giuliani we'll learn more. And Don Trump Jr. I mean, you look back to this conspiracy theory with Ambassador Yovanovitch. This started in right wing chat rooms and media outlets. This what? This the conspiracy theories about Ambassador Yovanovitch, mm-hmm. the sta- our former ambassador to Ukraine. The State Department discounted the con- conspiracy theory, which Don Trump Jr. tweeted, by the mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm discounted this conspiracy theory several months ago and said this was not why she was recalled. Mm -hmm. Now we're finding out a lot more. We're finding out that Giuliani gave a dossier to the White House of conspiracy theories and information about this ambassador. And it was garbage, Mm -hmm. according to what the State Department said several months ago. But for some reason, instead of putting that garbage in the trash Mm -hmm. or calling the FBI, the White House passed it on to the State Department. Uh, well, so much more to learn. Okay, so going back to that first phone call with Zelensky and a normal phone call between two heads of state. Do all parties usually know that they're maybe being recorded or at least transcribed for some kind of record? Totally. Both parties know that the other side is taking notes of the call. They may suspect that there's some kind of audio recording. The United States did not record phone calls under the two presidents that I worked under, but they know that. And typically before these calls, uh, the national security advisor from both sides engages with their counterpart to, again, grease the skid so that Mm -hmm. both sides know what's going to be discussed. And then there's a readout that's written for the presidential record in line with the Presidential Records Act. That's a legal requirement in the United States. And a verbal readout is given to the secretary of state. You would have assumed the attorney general and others. Now, the White House tried to hide this readout by putting it on a classified server. We learned, I believe, last night they did a similar thing with a China call transcript as well. Here's the problem, though. Even if they try to hide that readout from people in the U.S. government by putting it on this classified server, this is not men in black. You can't erase a conversation from foreign counterparts' minds. So the Chinese or the Ukrainians, Mm. they know exactly what happened. They know exactly that there was some kind of quid pro quo. And they're operating based upon that conversation while members of our own government may be left in the dark. So regardless of what we have physically or where it was kept, uh, the conversations happened. And so we can see the result of those conversations in the actions of our um, allies and in some cases. And it's a counterintelligence risk. I mean, right. we don't know what Trump discussed with Putin. There are five readouts that are still missing from encounters right. that he's had. But the Ukrainians, the Chinese, maybe the Russians, they know what was discussed. That's a bribery point. It's mm-hmm. something that a foreign government knows about President Trump that ostensibly right. our attorney general says he doesn't know. Our DNI uh, says that he doesn't know. That's a manipulation mm-hmm. point. It's a counterintelligence risk. Um, okay. So it, it's important that world leaders be able to have sensitive phone calls with the president, with each other. Does this give our allies some pause as to what they can and can't, should and shouldn't say to the president. I wouldn't call the White House right now. I mean, at this point, if you're a foreign leader, and I'm going to bet the president's phone is ringing a lot less often, Hmm. at least from Democratic uh, countries. You call the White House right now, you have to assume that anything that you say could end up in front of Congress. Congress needs to investigate what happened. Pretend you're calling Adam Schiff, basically. Basically, (laughs) pretend you're calling Adam Schiff or Elliot Engel, the chairman of the Foreign Relations Committee, or Elijah Cummings. Mm -hmm. Pretend all those people may get access to what you said and that what you say might end up on the front page of the New York Times or the Washington Post. We're learning about a lot of this stuff because it's leaking to the media, Mm -hmm. which is not an ideal solution. So I don't think any foreign leader worth their salt is going to engage with the White House or the State Department or even the Department of Justice in the way that we would have hoped or that we need. So let's talk more about China um, later this week. This week seems like it's been a year, but it's just been a week. Um, is it Friday, really? I know. And I, our, our mutual friend, Josh Campbell, tweeted, and it, it was something. He said, you know, 
the craziest things usually come out on Fridays. <laughs> so Can I'm, we get we're any bracing. crazier, though? I mean, we're like, bracing. the text messages alone that were released last night show that the White House was taking advice from the president's lawyer on whether to schedule a phone call with the president of Ukraine. Well, then let's talk about the texts. Um who are, who are the actors? Because we we need to sort of put the, all these texts in context for people who don't know who was texting each other back and forth about this. Such an important question because you have different kinds of ambassadors of the State Department. You have career diplomats like our former ambassador to the Ukraine or someone in this text string, Ambassador uh, Bill Taylor. That means that he doesn't they don't switch out with administrations. They are career diplomats and they're there for the long haul, regardless of who's president. Right. In this text exchange, you have Ambassador Bill Taylor, again, a career diplomat, and then two political appointees. They were appointed by Trump, our former special envoy to Ukraine, and our ambassador to the EU, Gordon Sondland. The question, again, is why was our ambassador to the EU working on this issue in the first Mm -hmm. place? And why on earth did the president's personal investigator, you know, name him POTUS's P.I., interfacing with these two ambassadors so often, leave aside the content of what they were Mm -hmm. writing about. Again, served in the White House for four years, served with a lot of ambassadors. Why was he such an integral player in this text exchange? The State Department has an entire bureau dedicated to law enforcement. It's called INL. That's Mm -hmm. the acronym. The Department of Justice has liaisons with foreign ministries of justice. Why was Rudy such a frequent character in these text exchanges? I mean, because he, you know, most people weren't willing to do what the president wanted them to do. Except for these two political appointees. Mm -hmm. I mean, you just look at these texts alone and there are very clear quid quid pro quos established in there. A White House visit is linked to a willingness to investigate something that the president personally asked for. I worked on a lot of White House visits. They're normally prioritized based on policy requirements. That's how you determine who deserves a visit to the White House. This approach and these text messages guarantees the wrong kind of people are going to be coming. It's people that are willing to aid and abet President Trump committing a crime. Those aren't the kind of leaders we should want at the White House. So um, I, I want to go back to, to China because, um, as as we all saw, President Trump got out in public um, and and asked not only asked Ukraine again, but but also China to dig up dirt on the Bidens, which to me, in in the instant that it happened, read to me like, okay, he has already asked China. And so that's why he's out here saying, and why not China to sort of, you know, get ahead of that story. Turns out he did bring up the Bidens in a phone call with China in June before the Ukraine call. Um, Is there any way to overstate the seriousness of a U.S. president asking a communist dictatorship to investigate a U.S. citizen and political rival? Hard no. Uh-huh. But let's add one more uh, adjective to Go what ahead. you just discussed. Attacker. The Department of uh, the DNI has been on record saying that China, in addition to Russia and Iran, want to attack our 2020 elections. Mm-hmm. So China is attacking us. And President Tr- our elections, President Trump is asking them to continue doing that. Yep. So not only is China an abuser of human rights in the law, they're also attacking our democracy. And President Trump asked them to keep doing that. Now, remember, President Trump railed against China during midterms when they, yeah. when he thought they were interfering in our elections in a way that wasn't helpful to him. Now we're learning he's asking them to interfere, but to serve his uh, political needs this time around. So is there an incentive, though, for China to pl- to play along with his request? I mean, I, we're in a trade war, right? Both sides want something. Do you think that they'll they'll take him up on his request? 
I would not rule it out because, as you mentioned, Essie, China is not really the gold standard when it comes to democracy or anti-corruption. Mm-hmm. They want a trade deal and they want the president not to take action on Hong Kong. The reporting last night indicated that President Trump also said that he'd stay quiet on Hong right. Kong if China did certain things. So it's entirely possible. And she might even be awarded with a White House visit. Right. Right. So I think it's possible. And. What it's going to do is subjugate real national security needs from the Chinese, Mm -hmm. whether it be a good trade deal, uh, progress on democracy and support for protests in Hong Kong and that Mm -hmm. sort of thing, if China agrees to do the president's political bidding. Um, Quickly before we go, we also – Australia came into the mix uh, for some reason – Talk, but talk about the the differences. The the requests to Australia are they different from the conversations Trump was having? Trump and his and his people were having with Ukraine and and maybe China. As far as we know, Australia, I should mention, is a member of what we call the Five Eyes. It's the five countries that are most closely uh, mm-hmm. engaged with the United States on intel or four plus the United States engaged on intelligence issues. The requests seem to be different. What? President Trump asked of the Australian prime minister is to help Attorney General Barr's investigation into the basis for the Mueller report. So Mueller investigation is done. President Trump and Attorney General Barr are investigating the predicate for launching the special investigation in the first place. The attorney general has even appointed uh, a U.S. attorney, John Durham, to run that investigation. Here's the problem, though. Leave Barr aside for a second. President Trump was a subject of the special counsel's investigation. Mm -hmm. So the investigation into the special counsel investigation involves President Trump. Right. Huge conflict of interest. Sure. Right. Not to mention the fact that I have never heard I never heard a president talk about a specific investigation with a head of state in the first place. And finally, the prime minister of Australia is basically being asked to investigate himself. The Australians gave information to us back during the 2016 election cycle because they're such a close partner of the United States. Now Barr essentially asked the president to tell the Australians to look into that whole sequence of events because he is a political itch to scratch. And you focus on politics, I don't. But the question is, why is he doing this? And the only answer seemingly is to use it in the 2020 campaign election cycle. Um, uh, there's so much, there's so much here and there's going to be so much more. And I, you know, I'm really grateful because Weekend Warriors is a foreign affairs podcast and there are storylines attached to this <laughs> might story. might be never ending story. Right. That, that are going to need to be sussed out. And so we'll be doing this, um, you know, throughout. And I'm, I'm so glad Sam Vinograd, you were able to join me today. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you for listening to Weekend Warriors. I'm Essie Cup. Tune in next time.